the uh, the house, the proverbial basement. That's not a proverbial basement. It's a real basement. <laughs> wow, this is weird. Like, I got to turn this back up a little bit. It's uh, well, we, we just... Listen, it can't be as bad as the podcast that I tried to listen to that our guest was on recently. It was. It sounded like they recorded it in a bathroom. Maybe yeah. they did. Well, I like they this. Did. Is, this is. Uh, <laughs> but I couldn't listen to it because so you couldn't bad. even hear him. To be fair, the first couple episodes, if you go back and listen to it of our show, when we were using that blue snowball in that echoey room. It wasn't their first episode, yeah. just so you know. But ours was like that, and that was, I think, listening back, like, that was the quick decision to get real mics, because they're not... They yes, that and that expensive. was also, like, 120-something episodes ago. Yeah. I mean, it is episode 122 of the new Utah podcast. 122 coming at you. Uh, are you going to rhyme? You should start rhyming after everyone, because that's... <laughs> Be like the guy in the Mitsubishi commercial. Definitely. We are a show, if this is your first time listening, that talks about Utah and all things Utah, and Utah's great um, It'll always be new. We people ask that all the time. Is it still the new Utah? Yeah, yeah always. There is always, always new things. Well, because it's not things. the podcast that's new. It's the things in Utah well, that are new. I mean, and there's some old shit, but we talk about them as if they were new because they're new to you. If you've never been down to Zion Stair, you know, Zion, Zion Staircase, <laughs> Zion's Park, or Grand Staircase, or Goblin Valley, which or, I haven't been, and now I kind of want to go. If you haven't been out to the Proving Grounds and Dugway, I mean, those the, are all new things. The Gilgal Gardens. Oh my god, that place is cool. <laughs> which one's my? Which one's my volume? You don't have a volume. You just need to be quiet. That's you. The end. Wow, she was listening really low. She must have good hearing. Yeah, or we're just really loud. Maybe. One or the other. Um, A little both. Anyway, this, that's what the show's about. Uh, I'm, I'm one of your hosts, Chris. We have Jeremy as the other sultry, dark voice. Howdy. Uh, I don't know about that. That was a little too, too uh, Batman. I'm uh, Batman. The pretzel eater uh, <laughs> is, is Bree. Hello. And then the silent one who hasn't said a word yet. You might have said something. Too. She's been talking. I don't know. It's Jess. Clearly, it doesn't matter if I talk anyways. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, she's prepping her show notes. I wish it was that easy. She's texting people. She's, she's having ta- roommate issues. Sorry. Oh, uh, <laughs> that's the worst. Roommate. Okay, so let's let's hear them. All right. Air it out. Dirty laundry. Let's go. I have, to take, I have to take care of it before I can talk about it. Oh, uh, that's a good point. We'll get back to her. So we ta- I talked to her about it off air last, last week. So when we were at the uh, haunted haunted mansion of sorts, the haunted <laughs> <mansion>. <laughs> which well, by the way that was cool, and I've had a lot of people like out of nowhere, friends, relatives, stuff like that. Like I listened to that seven forty nine episode. That was cool. I was like, oh, I didn't even know you knew that I people was on. like scary shit. Um, so we almost we have eighty eight hundred views, thirty four shares. Wow, on that Facebook post. on that Facebook post. That's awesome. That's, That's pretty, pretty big for us. That's big for us. You know, I keep getting little notifications. It's pretty awesome. I turned them off because they got really fucking annoying. <laughs> there were so many. Don't worry, I got it, guys. It was all the it was all the kids in Tooele sharing the shit with each other, and then it migrated itself into Salt Lake. And but it was if, if you if you haven't heard it and you like, like cool shit, listen to last week's episode. We go back and to, listen. It's cool. We got to spend uh, the opening night at uh, Asylum Forty Nine out in Tooele and talk to the the owners and and some of the folks inside and. Um, it's uh it was a fun episode it was it was good uh despite being there until god awful late <laughs> well we didn't even get to talk about our walk around after yeah and, it was after <laughs> and we did i mean we could talk Which about we it can talk and about. i'm the nerd that totally forgot to take like 
pictures and stuff as we were no, recording. No, but you took tons of pictures afterwards. And then yeah. you were like, you were like live streaming our guests. So if you follow us on Facebook, maybe you saw that on Facebook and you don't have to listen to like half the podcast. She was live, live streaming. Weren't you live streaming our no. guests just Oh, today? Yeah, yeah, but on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, not on Facebook. It doesn't matter. It still posts and you can go back and watch it. You can. So just snippets though. You'll still yeah. You don't fucking watch it. Listen to the podcast instead. Don't turn off your podcast. Just listen. We'll get there. Um, no, we we are talking to uh, Shireen Gorbani, who is uh, the Democrat in the race for uh, U.S. House District Number Two in the state of Utah. Um, she should win. She's running against Chris Stewart. Uh, she's knocked on forty thousand doors. I'm like, I don't even know how that's possible. Uh, to, to that's like Jehovah's Witness numbers. That's like Mormon numbers. I mean, that is straight up missionary <laughs> numbers. Like, that's a lot of doors. 40,000 awesome, doors. Like, I don't think I can even knock on every door in my neighborhood, and there's no way there's even that many here. So, maybe she took, um, like, a former missionary or an LD, current, you know, and was like, how do you do it? And they, like, gave her door knock. And she's so happy. Like, she's, she's, she's just, awesome. like, breaming with happiness. It was great. Like, we finished our podcast, and she was just laughing. Like, she's an amazing person to be around. Like, you can't be negative even, when you're with even her. Even after coming to tears, telling a couple of stories that, that were part of her life and, and people that she's talked to, uh, she's still just got this amazingly bright happy personality um so if you if you're interested in that please stick around um that that'll be uh later if in the you're show. not still stick around if you want something darker listen to this and then go listen to asylum 49 or do it in reverse listen to last week's episode <laughs> it wasn't dark no but we're talking about a haunted house and i mean look the the contrast in conversation between last week where we were talking about babies flying out of vaginas in a haunted house and this week <laughs> where we legit. talk about uh Babies getting health care. <laughs> That's both relevant. Listen, that together. hospital, did you know that hospital didn't have a morgue? Yeah. yeah we talked about it. Well, yeah, but we, we didn't talk about it on the podcast. Together. I don't even remember. It's been so long since I edited that show. But we didn't talk about it on the podcast. We talked about it when we were, like, touring right outside the fake morgue that they made. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't remember. Anyway. Um, they just put him in the, was it, it was the conference room. room, right? They put him in the conference room. Yeah. So, Jeremy... Yes. Um, even though we put up a show on Tuesday, uh, we recorded it, you know, on opening night of, of Asylum 49. You were gone last week. We had your dogs. I was I was uh, happy to always call them wieners. Scrappy Dabby. Okay. Scrappy Dabby. So I meant to tell you this when you came to pick them up, but it was a little bit semi-rushed and so I didn't, but I really miss Chris, like, going out the back door and being like, wieners, time to come in, wieners, where are you, wieners, <laughs> out our back door. And, and then Rocky would come jamming in really fast, and then Ebo would... Just slowly. He, well, and he would stop, like, halfway, like, ah, oh, fuck, I gotta catch my breath. Break. <laughs> he'd come, he'd get to the door, and he'd just stop for a second and be like, ah, oh, shit, I gotta step up, like, four inches. <laughs> He's like Scrappy Dappy Doo. Yeah, so they... Did they do any of their play fighting where yes. Rocky's just all over oh, yeah. Ebo, biting on his ears, jumping all over him? And yep. Yeah, they played quite a bit. He just lays there and then finally has enough and jumps up and barks at him. They were super cute. But you, you do realize you've given your dog Scooby-Doo colors, right? They are the color of Scooby-Doo and then you gave <laughs> them that, that tealish color collar and I'm like... They look like fucking Scooby-Doo, like from a distance. Other if Scooby-Doo was short was and long, tiny, <laughs> not a great. Like I said, Scrappy-Doo. But you were in in Disneyland. We which were is a we favorite had a good time. destination for Utah families. So it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Really, the only question I have is, 
Why would you take a newborn baby and there are so many strollers? That's always my question when I go. Why would you take... Well, it's not to take the baby for the experience of the baby. It's because you're um, a Disney freak. It's the same question I have with why the fuck do you take your baby to the movies? Yeah. Find a babysitter. No, I feel like a $9 movie ticket versus like a $100 Disneyland ticket yeah, not, is way different. But they're not paying for a $100 <laughs> Disneyland ticket for the baby. They're paying it for themselves. I assume the baby gets in free. I Disneyland. assume so, but they so many strollers. Like, so many strollers. You're going to a fucking amusement park designed <laughs> by the people that are like, you know, that's all they do is make babies happy. The Disney Channel. Disney. Mickey Mouse. Like, that is designed for toddlers. It's not The Disney Channel oriented. is not designed for toddlers. I watch the Disney no, Channel. No, Mickey Mouse is, though. Donald Duck, Goofy. That is for little kids. It's really true. little kids. But it's fun. The weather was good. Downtown Disney's awesome. We had a fun time. We had a good time. Still didn't go to the good. beach. Still didn't go to the beach. You are a Scrooge, man. You really <laughs> Plan a beach day. Your family would thank you. We'll have to do that. Yeah, whatever. You'll never do it. Talking to Heather, that's like not going to happen. Not because she doesn't want to, but because you're the Scrooge McDuck in the whole situation. <laughs> I was like, I want to go to the beach. Yeah, all, both kids that were here, Hannah and Jonathan, were like, we want to go to the beach. And I'm sure the other one would be totally into it as well. Maya. Yeah. Probably. I don't know which she one She just calls is. them the one in college and the one not in college. Yeah. <laughs> That's all right. That works. I know well, they're the, they're the older non-social ones that don't want to talk to mom and dad's friends ever because yep. they are... High school kids. Yep, because uh, it's not cool. Hannah will be there. Don't worry. She's oh, yeah, probably year, getting she there now. Starts high school next year. Yeah. yeah. No, she's too much like Heather. I feel like she's just going to go through life as like, just cool and, and like happy, even cool. And, and yeah. Love everyone. And like, I love everybody. And so everybody likes me. And why do you all have problems? She's going to be just like her, your wife, which is like an amazing thing. <laughs> I don't have as much patience as that Yeah, woman. the other two are that high school... Slash college angsty age like, where I'm a young adult. Fuck you. I know better. Parents suck. They don't know anything. Yeah. Was uh, it weird to go without Julia though? Kind of. My was it enjoyable to go without Julia? Kind of. I don't know. It, <laughs> She's not gonna listen to this. Dude. You can say whatever you want. So my two of my sisters, my youngest sister and the sister just younger than me, and her husband were there too. So, so we had people. So, I mean, we had a, a larger group than usual, but it was actually a lot of fun. My, the, my sister, just younger than me, has never been to Disneyland. Wow. So, it was fun to go with somebody who's never been there before and take them on the rides. Did and, she go? Yeah, it's not that great. No, she thought it was awesome. She loved it. That's because you guys went, even though it was busy, it's not summertime busy. Yeah. It's the time of year we go, it's as least busy you as purposely go at the be. beginning of school when no one wants to take their kids out of school to go on vacation yeah well and it started because of when we started going it's because at the time they were all a uh, year round and the first year we went three of them were off track oh so it was like so at the time when we started doing it when we do it of course now it's gotten to where they're no longer year round so yeah now we're pulling out of school yeah who cares it's kind of a pain but but they can make up the work. It's they've they've just decorated for all the Halloween stuff, so we get to see all the Halloween stuff. But it's not quite October, so we don't have the Halloween rush. Yeah, and then yeah, school's just started, so it's not nearly as full as it would be. And then it was the temperature was in the low eighties most of the week, so like good weather. So damn, it was challenge. Not like a hundred degrees like it has been sometimes. So anyway, we had a good time. It was fun. And let me tell you about my weekend fiasco. <laughs> 
So we uh, we decided to go to the lake. Uh, we went to go to a lake or a reservoir um, uh, with uh, with Chong and Vanny, and it was supposed to be a whole group. Like John and Jody were supposed to go up, and Sean and Vanita and Josh and Carissa. Um, they're all like, "Okay, well, let's all get together. Let's go to a lake." Um, I'm like, okay, well, where do we want to go? Um, so I chose Deer Creek. I'm like, okay. So Sunday rolls around. We're like, what? You know, what time's everyone going up? And they're like, 10 o'clock. I'm like, fuck, you guys get up and get moving so fucking late to go somewhere like a lake. Like, get your ass up and get moving. So, well, okay. And so they're like, okay, well, we're, we're heading over to the, you know, we're heading over to the, the lambs. We're going to, you know, carpool up. And we're like, okay, we'll meet you up there. So we, we left a little bit so early. So they were meeting them there at 10. Like, the, the intent they was They were going to drive up at 10. 10. Uh, and so we, we go up to Deer Creek. We left at 930 with the idea that maybe we would start a hike or something. So we get up to Deer Creek and we pull into the, the area that we're all going to meet up at and they've got a uh, toxic algae sign up. Oh, uh, no. A toxic algae uh. warning. That algae's there and that swimming is ill-advised uh, and boating is fine and fishing is fine, but swimming is ill-advised and, and ingesting the water is, is really bad. So, and if you fish, you have to like really scrub your fish out. So we send out a text uh, and I try to send out a picture and it takes forever to get up there because we're out at Deer Creek, not in Heber anymore. So the range. Um, yeah, so the, the sending data is crap. So Bree, anyway, Bree gets a text through, uh, and we're like, well, shit, we should just wait. We shouldn't go on the hike yet if we don't know what's going to happen. So then they respond, uh, well, we're still in Salt Lake. We haven't left yet. They hadn't left the valley It's yet. like fucking 11 o'clock. They were supposed to be up there within like 10 or 20 minutes, and they hadn't left yet. So like, well, it's, what about, uh, and then so Trung goes, well, we could go to Rockport, Jordan L. Rockport, and I'm like, those are two different reservoirs. Like, which one, dumbass? <laughs> and then so, you're like, I'm already here, people. So then they call, and he's like, well, we're gonna go, we're gonna go to Highland Glen. Well, we uh, drove back down little, into Heber first. Yeah, they're like, we're gonna go into Highland Glen, which is this little like, kind of like Day Lake thing. It's kind of like, like the that size thing of up a in, football field. It's like that thing up in Harriman, that little oh, that like, tiny little that tiny little black, yeah. Black. Black Ridge Reservoir. Ridge Reservoir, yeah. That's so just a little tiny, basically a pond. Um, so they're like, we're going to go there. It's a lot closer. And we're like, mother... I'm like, dude, I'm, we're in fucking Heber because you were supposed to be here like an hour and a half ago. So anyway, so we... I, I'm like, well, we'll decide if when we get down there, we'll decide if we want to go because we'll just go down this way instead of going on I-80. We took the Alpine Loop, which I've never taken before, so it was actually kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, well, let's we'll take the Alpine Loop and get to go up there. So that was beautiful. And, and seeing that, like getting up to the top, and I love looking at the back of, of Timpanoga. It is the back is so much more breathtaking than the front because mm-hmm. the front it just falls in line with the rest of the mountain range, but the back you've got that huge like so pseudo crater. Come down loop. past Bridalville Falls. Uh, yeah, I mean we took the whole loop all the oh. way around uh, and came back down out past the cave, which there's construction in front of right yeah. now. Um, but then the 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 Highland Glen Reservoir is like right there, right outside the canyon. It's like four blocks away from the canyon entrance so uh we ended up going on a hike around there past some golf course some country club golf course with a bunch of houses that have trampolines in the ground that was a new revelation to me i'd never seen a trampoline at ground level that oh, was yeah. dug in like so we every, kept like making fun of him every like, fucking house another one. every house there were like two out of this so room like it doesn't fall yeah. off yeah well it, i thought it was a cool decision uh, and so, yeah, we saw that. Um, and so they don't get airborne and fly down the street in windstorms. But then I'm like, I'm not getting into that cesspool, this little shit pond. Like, there's no way I'm getting into that water. So I just, we just sat and read after our little 
hike of sorts in the middle of Thailand. So anyway, so that was our, our crazy... But while we were sitting there, Trung's like, I don't know why all the water's so low. Why is all the water so low? It's so low. Everything's so low. And Chris is like, well, we're in a drought. Well, so? <laughs> and so I don't understand why the water's low. Well, that's what happens at reservoirs, dumbass. When there's a drought, you deplete your resources that you've saved up. And the reservoirs aren't just there to swim in. They actually supply water to places. So we'll, we'll talk a little bit. I think we're going to talk a lot, actually, about drought today um, in, in Utah and and where we're at so uh but i think before we do that have, are your roommate problems figured out jess nope i mean we've been sitting here for a good 10 minutes it might not be today that her roommate problems get sorted out she may have to report on this like ongoing or something that might be a longer term scenario so are the police involved not yet <laughs> not yet soon soon utah county sheriff's office soon i've got their number if you want it i, I can Google maybe it it'll be you. on live pd no, we don't have any. Police cops. Live PD are with the Salt Lake, Utah Investigation Bureau or some bullshit. I've, I've, that's up there. I watch that show occasionally, more since you've talked about it. It's just fascinating. It's like watching a train wreck. Well, it's fascinating because of the mundane shit that happens where there's like nothing and they like go to it and they're like, oh, we're pulling over this car for this. And then there's like nothing going on. Like. That's the nice part about it is you do see that there are mundane traffic stops and you get to see the cops be normal fucking people. Uh, Unlike the old cop show from the 90s where, you know, they'd record for two weeks. Oh, yeah. And get like 10 minutes of footage. And that's what they would show is the 10 minute cop chase and the drug bust. Because that's what's exciting. And I think that's what I like about uh, uh, Live PD is it is so much more real. So one that I was watching a couple of weeks ago. Some lady in some restaurant parking lot threw a shake at somebody's car. Yeah. So, like, that's what it was. And then <laughs> I didn't throw no shake at no one. There's a shake all over their windshield. I didn't do that. And yeah. <laughs> well, and, like, when they go out to, like, you, you kind of start to understand what cops have to fucking deal with. Because, like, they'll go on an, on domestic calls in a neighborhood where two neighbors are, like, fighting with each other over a tree that is growing and hanging over into one of their yards. And like, they're like, it's not even something we can fight. It's a fucking civil issue. Like it's not something, but we have to make sure they don't kill each other. <laughs> you know, like we can't really I think do the saddest ones are when they're like, Hey, weren't you pregnant last time I saw you? Yeah. Oh, do you have the baby? What'd you have? And they're like, like they're just there so much. They yeah. just know them. They're like, Hey, Come on, Frank. Like, and the, yeah, they call him by name. Yeah, you know when they're coming up to him, they're like, "Hey, I know you, Jenny," and you're like, "Fuck, this chick has gotten arrested a lot." <laughs> Jenny's made some poor life decisions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they're always like, no matter how shitty the person is, they're always trying to help them do the right thing and be on the right path, and like, so. But I always the, there well, is one cop that's just annoying. Yeah, uh, she's a bitch. She's in El Paso. Um, Something happened to her, I think, because she, she starts... I've talked about her before, but Honestly, she always... I think she's just a woman in a man's world, and the only way she's... The way she's learned to do with it, instead of, like, Shireen, where she's, like, upbeat and positive, she's like, I have to be tough and manly and rude and... She she just starts at, She starts at, like, a 10. Like, it's funny, because she'll come up to a car, and she's like... Rah, 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 and then the people... I mean, if you know anything about, like, like bringing people's level of anger and angst and anxiety down, you don't start higher than them. You, you go lower than them, and that tries, you know, you can equalize. But she starts out at, like, a 10, and then they, they, they respond yelling, and she's like, why are you yelling at me? I'm just blah, blah, blah. And they're like, 
what? Like, you fucking started by yelling at me. Like, of course I'm going to yell back. Like, I didn't do anything. You pulled me over for not using my blinker. Why'd you start yelling at me when you came up to the window? She had the one guy that was, like, in the street too much. Like, she was, like, totally, what are you doing? What are you up to? And he's, like, walking. in the street. Walking home, you bitch. Decided to walk in the street. There's not a lot of traffic. Anyway, that's enough about things that don't happen here. Um, <laughs> Jess. Some of it does. Jess, do we have some events going on this week? This month? Sure. This month. Yeah, there's know. always something going well, on. Well, I mean, September is over in three days, so. Basically, yes. Five. Coming into all things pumpkin spice. So, did you got, before we do that, did you guys see the uh, the moon the last yep. couple days? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Very it was cool. So Sahara's moon last night. Yeah. And it was beautiful this morning, like seeing it right on the edge of the, the western mountain range, the ochre's there. Man, it was great. Humongous, bright, clear as day. It was great. Sorry. Go back to your events. I didn't even get there. So. Were there any ritual sacrifices because of the harvest moon? Probably. Where were they? Because I didn't hear about them. You didn't do a good job with events. <laughs> I don't even. I don't even know if we really talked about events while we were out at asylum. Uh, we talked briefly, <laughs> briefly, but not not much, not much. Well, this weekend you can go to the Southtown Mall, and they are doing a. Utah Firefighters Annual Chili Cookoff. Oh, and yeah. The reason you should that. go is because all of the tickets that are bought to try the chili goes to uh, firefighting. It's the the U of U Health Burn Camp Program. Do you so, have a friend that's cooking chili in that? No, I have a friend that's a firefighter that can't cook to save his damn life. Oh, so he probably shouldn't. No. He gets kicked out of Guns and Hoses hockey games for being too aggressive. <laughs> so you can go eat chili, and then you can go downtown to Mountain West Cider because they are having their fourth annual October, uh, October oh, yeah, Fest. Fourth West, West, fourth West Fest, yes. Um, On October 4th, right? No, it's no. the 29th and the 30th. That's bullshit. Oh, so it's this weekend? Yeah. Why was I thinking it's it was like next weekend? It's the Fourth West Fest, not the f- day of the so, Fourth. Yeah, no, so yeah, so because they're on Fourth West. That's probably why, because October 4th is so close. I was thinking it was the 4th of October. No. I'm dumb. It's okay. Um, so $8 includes your mug. If you're a non-drinker and you don't want a mug, it's $6. And it goes from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. on the 29th and 11 to 5 p.m. on the 30th. They have awesome food trucks there's a lot of great musicians and they have jumbo jango which is my favorite lots of stuff to do (laughs) yeah it's just a fun little place to go hang out they have some other local vendors that are usually there um yeah it's awesome and you should go support mount west anyways um Dine Around starts on the 28th. Uh, I was hearing an ad for that this morning. I'm excited. And I, I know I, I don't like to talk about the stuff that gets advertising elsewhere, but this is awesome in our community. And I love the website because it's just dineoround.com. Well, and you can do it by like the meal that you want, the price that you want to pay anywhere from $5 to $35 if you want lunch or dinner. And it has a whole list of every single restaurant that's involved in that particular pricing structure this is so it's it's done the the downtown alliance is is who really kind of promotes this and puts it on this is if you've ever wanted to try food in the state and you wanted to try local restaurants and but and like the expensive restaurants that you wouldn't normally like go it's fork out money so like bird. hsl no um copper onion well, and it's not just, look, street copper onion is not expensive by the way it's not super pricey 
if you think of nice restaurants in Salt Lake, that's one of them. So, I mean, it's not like, and there are some really, really expensive places that do it, but there's also like, you know. Blue Iguana, Current Oyster Bar, um, Gourmandise, Zest, Red Rock, Pliku, which I ate at last week with Chinda and his brother. It was amazing. Um, Stone Ground. Those are just a, such a small handful of some of the offerings. Well, and it's a really good way, like, to go try something new and and not feel like, okay, I'm going to go to this place for two people. I'm going to spend, you know, 60 bucks. No, you go there in that place where you would spend 60 bucks for two people, you might be spending 20 or 25 bucks for, for two people. And I think it's prefixed. Like, it's a menu that yeah, they have a, like picking off. They of have a specific dine around menu. Do you go to the different restaurants or is it at a particular location? No, you go to each restaurant. So each yeah. restaurant during dine around. So it's a, offers these. It's like two, specials. it's like two weeks, a period of like two weeks. And yeah, they have to the 14th. They have lunch and they have dinner typically. Uh, and so lunches are $5 or $10 depending upon which place you go to. Yeah. And so you go to a really fancy place that dinner or the lunch is probably $10 versus $5 at most places. And, and it is a limited menu. So it's like, here's the showcase that we're doing for that price. Like you get to try our food to see if you like us and our style. Here's, here's what you get. And it's not like, it's not a shitty meal. It's not a smaller meal. It's just something that's, you know, affordable for them to create for $5. They're not, this isn't a time for them to make money on those meals. It's a time for them to promote who, promote they, who are. they are and their food. And it's a really good way to try a place that you might not normally go to otherwise. It's a great way to go have a date for how many for years? Really how many years have they been doing this? Oh, I don't know. I've been, been doing it for a long for time. For a long time, yeah. Like I, I, I know we've talked about it before. I'm just wondering like how. 10, 10 plus years probably. Like I remember eating at Faustina on the dine around like before I knew Brie. Oh, so cool. that, that tells you that tells you how long it's been. That had been, been about ten years ago, then at least. That's what I'm saying. So I, I really, it's one of my favorite times of year because it's fun to just go try something like, especially a place that like you wouldn't normally consider going. Like they just have really cool. Yeah, just go options. have dinner on a Wednesday night. Listen to our podcast on the way because it posts in the morning on Wednesday. <laughs> uh, go have dinner and uh, you know try something new. Don't don't. Can, we were talking last night after boxing um, when we go out of town. Like John and I were talking because he has had he has to go out of town for work, and I'm like, it sucks because like the food's never good when you go somewhere to eat. And then what pisses you off the most is when you ask the people that you're out there with what a good place to go eat is, and they're like, oh, go to Chili's. Chili's. You're like, no, Applebee's just opened up. Like, fuck, don't tell me that. I can eat that shit at an airport. <laughs> like, I've got Chili's in Salt Lake. They all taste the same. They're not doing something special in South Carolina at Chili's. Although, yeah. in the South, chicken is spicier at Popeye's than it is here. Yeah, because they eat spicy shit down there. Just they just let it soak in their uh, their spicy stuff longer overnight. But yeah, no, when you go to a new place, you want to try something local, something interesting. Yeah, yeah. Chilies. And so this is a good time to, to do that here. Like even if you are a local, you probably haven't eaten at all those restaurants. You've probably only eaten at a couple of those restaurants. Go try more of them. There's something for everyone on those lists. So um, I, I recommend Where is it listed? It's Dine, D-I-N-E-O. Round.com. Dine around. Very no, cool. like apostrophe or anything like that in the. Dine around Salt Lake. Dine around.com. So, yes. really cool. Any other events going on? Uh, next weekend on the 4th. Well, that weekend. Um, on the 6th and 7th over at the Olympic, at the Olympic Oval, they're doing short track World Cup, World Cup qualifiers. Oh, cool. So, 
Um, watch it some is, people cut their hands off. It's free. It's open to the public. It goes from nine to four both days. Um, and then also starting on the 28th, Peterson Family Farms Pumpkin Patch is opening. So I think that's important. And they're doing some really cool Sweet. little like, um, like their uh, tractor rides and like a turn uh, popcorn popper, like old style. And we did we um, did an interview. If you're interested in Peterson Family Farms, we did an interview with Farmer Luke, the the owner and proprietor of, of said smart dude. Not what you would normally think no, of a farmer. Not at all. He was great to talk to. So you can go back. I don't know what that episode was, but go back and find it with Farmer Luke. It was great. Um, just saying, you don't normally think of farmers as college graduates with degrees and, and traveled the world. Traveled the world, fucking amazing views on life. Not that, not that that can't be the case. It's just typically not what you think. Yeah. No, he's. Uh, that was. A, I really enjoyed that conversation. That's one been one of my favorite interviews. Actually, he learn how to how sell we your were kids. The other day. What? Learn how to, he asked how we were the other day. Oh, nice. I said, learn how to sell your kids. That's something he talked about. Yeah, definitely. Learn <laughs> how to sell your kids to him. Um, so uh, I'm guessing that's it, right? No more events? No more. Uh, we do have, so Utah has one of the best Shakespearean festivals in the country, and it's going on right now down in Cedar City. We don't ever talk about it. We um, have talked about it before. Have we? Yep. Not at length, though, right? Mm, I don't want to talk about Pretty much, yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> I only bring it up because we have, we're, we're supposed to be going down to Cedar in a week. And uh, hotels are expensive. Yeah, like if I book one right now, it's $109. For the weekend that I want it, it's $159. Because of the Shakespearean Festival. That's so. that's a big revenue for them down it there. Is. It is. It's a big, big, big moneymaker. Especially since Brian Head doesn't exist because of all the fire. It's pretty much shut down, isn't it? Nah, it's fine. The, the resort will open up again in the, in the winter, but... That happened since our last show. Yeah, so let's talk about the Pole Creek Fire. Holy shit. And Bald Mountain. So, so by the way, we could see that thing from the plane taking off last Oh, of course you could. Okay. You could see it. How could you not? It's the biggest flame. You can see it from space. So we talked about fires. We talked about the fires uh, a couple months ago. We talked about wildfires and how bad they were in Utah. Yeah. We talked about the biggest ones in history. Um, this one's the biggest. So we had the biggest, which was the Grouse Creek Fire. Right. Which was which eclipsed like the seven like seventy four thousand roughly acres that was biggest prior to that, the Pole Creek Fire, not including the other one, is over ninety thousand acres right now. It's close to a hundred thousand acres on its own, and it was last time I checked, it was only thirty three percent contained. I think the weather helped them out last night. Uh, they got some rain and stuff. Well, and the wind switched. So this morning on the news, they said that the air is going to be blowing towards like the Uinta Basin now. So towards what's already burnt. Basically, yeah, push yeah. it back. So that's really helpful. But that is the biggest fire. It is actually uh, in the nation. It's the number one wildfire concern at the moment. Yeah. Uh, it, it. Yeah. Taking off. We get up because you go out and you go out by the copper mine and kind of bank and you could see it. You could see flames. Oh, yeah. It was crazy. Well, and it's, it was probably like when we were on our cruise in August and we could see the fires off of the coast of oh, California, yeah, California ship. Uh, at night, it's like the only thing you see is the bright flames. It's crazy. Well, and you guys flew out in the morning, right? Mm-hmm. So it was still light. Yeah, and you could still see it playing. I mean, it was crazy. Yeah, we left it. Our flight, 1015 is when our flight took off. It looked yeah. like Mordor from the Lehigh exit. Yeah, and I think most of the people have returned home now um, because they've been able to contain it near near the home. So that's 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 Did a very positive. Was there anything thing. lost? I'm sure there were structures damaged. Lots of cows. Yeah, a lot of, <laughs> lot of livestock in that area. A lot it of grazing. Didn't, didn't get out, that's too bad. Yeah. Well, that's, they don't. Wow. Cows are stupid. 
They're like chickens, but I think they're dumber. <laughs> Just bigger. They're slower. They're a lot slower. At least chickens run from danger. True. Those are heavy. It doesn't matter. They can move. Oh, shit. This hot thing's coming at me. Horses I'm not gonna... run from danger. Yeah. Yeah. And they're I'm, big. I'm pretty sure that cows are fatter. Well, yeah, but that's that's not the horse's fault. What? <laughs> <laughs> Am I the only one that just what the fuck to that? <laughs> it's a good thing my fuck box is over there, so you can't uh, play it. Actually, I don't know where it's at. It might be up there. I, I was just telling somebody about that. It's up there behind the music. Um, did you call it a fuck box? Because that's what it is. That's what it yeah. says on the thing. Do you know me? Um, yeah. Well. <laughs> so I wanted to talk because I mean we've already talked about fires. Um, I wanted to spend some time. I've actually wanted to do this for a couple of weeks. Um. One of the things that a lot of people forget about, we talk about national parks in Utah and we talk about all the different terrain where we can, we're 30 minutes away from, from sand dunes, mountains, rivers, lakes, ski resorts. Um, Speaking of fire and lakes, somebody posted a picture, an overhead picture of Payson Lakes. It is completely untouched. Which the is, fire is completely around it. It is amazing. Which is interesting. Because, what the hell? There's a spider over there by the closet door. This is little. It's been freaking me out because I keep watching it move. Uh, anyway. Um, Since when are you freaked out from spiders? Payson Lakes closed the... They, they, they stopped allowing people in the campground a while ago because of the Pole Creek fire and because of how dry it was. They shut it down for the year. Um, with, with concerns of how dry that, that area was. So that's really cool that it's untouched because... I love that area. Uh, I've talked about it before. We That was actually where we were going to go this weekend. Um, but because of it being closed, we, we had to change plans. So um, but that's really cool. Untouched by it's, the fire. It's a really cool picture. Yeah. that's. I need to, I need to look that up. I'll have to up. find it. But anyway, I want to talk about um, Utah's desert climate. Because one thing a lot of people forget is Utah is a desert. Um, we are part of the biggest desert in the country uh, and one of the biggest deserts in the world. Uh, we are part of the, uh, the Great Basin Desert. Um, so the Great Basin Desert, basically um, what happens is water comes in from the Pacific Ocean, uh, hits um, a couple mountain ranges in California, primarily the Sierra Nevadas, and then there's no water left. And it goes for miles and miles and miles across a part of California, a part of Utah, Nevada, um, New Mexico. I don't remember where else, but it's 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 a humongous desert. Like people think of like the Sahara in landmass, and and the Great Basin Desert is big. It's two hundred thousand square miles. Is how big it is. You only you only think that it's not because people live here and they've brought in grass and water. Well, yeah, and we've created reservoirs. And the trees that are in the mountains, that's one thing because they don't require as much water. But when you think about all the people that live between the Sierra Nevadas and the Rocky Mountains, that's a huge population center. Uh, You've got like in, in Phoenix, the fuck are that many people living in Phoenix for? Well, how? Why are that many people living in Las Vegas? It is really dry there. It is really dry in the state of Utah. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about the drought that we're we're in the middle of as well. But I wanted to talk about the desert a little bit. So, um, it's it's basically formed. Um, 
like I said, between the Sierra Nevadas and um, the the Rocky Mountains. Um, so there's a, a a rain shadow is what they call it. So um, it's because of how high in elevation we are, it strips out the air of moisture. Uh, and so you just have this huge cold right. mountain desert. What are we here in Salt Lake? Forty two hundred? Between like forty four and five thousand, somewhere in there. It's here in Salt Lake. So we're up there. Yeah, so and because of the elevation, it's a cold desert. So you don't when you think of desert, you think of like Death Valley. Death Valley's part of the Great Basin Desert, by the way. Um, but you think of Death Valley where like hundred and forty degrees and some of the hottest temperatures on earth. And that's true at sea level. But when you get up to 4,000, 5,000, 6,000, 7,000 feet that, that you have up here in these elevations, I mean, Timpanoga is, uh, Mount Timpanoga is, and Mount Olympus, they're, they're like 12,000 feet in elevation. Did you Mount Timpanoga? I did. I did. <laughs> um, it's not plural, dude. They're, they're tens of thousands of feet, like 10, 12, 13,000 feet in elevation, like really, really high up there. So, of course, it's cold, but there's no water hitting there. Right. Um, what were some of the other facts on here? I just, I had just print this out a couple of weeks ago and I don't remember all of them. So, um, there's smaller deserts within the boundaries of the great basin desert. So there's the black rock desert, the great salt lake desert, which is actually what we're a part of. Um, there's, um, the Colorado plateau, which they think is part of it. Some um, of the pine trees that we have are some of the oldest in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Over 5,000. So the Mojave desert is part of it. Um, but there's, it's, it's not sand dune desert all the way. So there's a lot of vegetation that lives. So sagebrush. Sagebrush. Sagebrush is a huge high desert. Highly allergic. Uh, are you really? <laughs> yeah. That is a shitty thing to be allergic to out here. I just found out. <laughs> wow. Wow. But five, yeah, you, like you said, 5,000 year old pine trees. That's pretty damn crazy. Well, we have that one tree that we've talked about a couple times. That's, that's well, that's an aspen that's uh, dying sadly. Pan, but pangea or pandorama or some pan pan the pando pando the pando. I knew it was pan something. <laughs> I was gonna let you guys keep going. Uh, but pan yeah, so pando. But pando is the the aspen uh, colony aspen thing. That's like what five. 50,000 trees, something like that, but it's all off. It's one. all one root system. system. It's the largest living organism on the planet, at least that's been discovered. There's probably something bigger on the ocean floor. Not true. <laughs> um, but there's a fairly diverse array of animals across the desert. So 73 mammal species, uh, 18 species of reptiles, um, and that's within uh, the national park areas alone. So mountain lions, coyotes, bighorn sheep, kit foxes, cats of different types, skunks, beavers, porcupines. A lot of things you don't think about. Kangaroo rats. I want yeah. to say those. Birds. We've also got, got birds. Tails. Yeah, a lot of birds. Um, like a ton of birds. And some of the weird wetland areas, like around the Great Salt Lake, there are birds that are there that, that don't exist elsewhere. But like sage grouse. I've talked about them before. <laughs> sage chickens, like there's only a few spots in the world where they actually exist and where they, they mate. And there are places in Utah and in Wyoming that that occurs, that it doesn't happen anywhere else in the world. It's the only place they live. Uh, and it's just because of the, the habitat that we have here. So so we are a desert. And kind of the point of talking a little bit about us being a desert uh, is to talk about the drought. Um, so we don't think about it a lot because we don't, you know, we're not on water rationing yet. Um, and, you know, Probably we should have, be. We have a what? The thing is, is, is a lot of people are short-sighted about drought. 
So they they remember when we have really wet years a year or two ago, and they're like, oh, we're out of the drought. Well, we didn't actually come out of the drought. Just because we had a really good year for, for snowfall, we were already in drought. It's probably been, what, three years, maybe four, since we've had a really good wet fall and winter. Yeah, so it's 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 been a bit, I think, two years. So, um, I mean, I'm looking for the year. Um, so it's been like the past six years. Um, we had two phenomenally wet months in, in six, 2016, 2017. That was December and January. So those were the, that was the really, really wet months that we had. And then nothing, like nothing the rest of, so that was like two years ago, basically. And last right? winter we had like two weeks out of the entire winter. Yeah. We had like, like the weird freakish spring, like the really early spring and then the cold snap and then yeah. more spring. Um, so we now are at a point where, for the first time in 10 years, we are hitting what is, in, in certain areas of the state, hitting extreme drought conditions. So extreme drought conditions, um, that's really like the, the southeast portion of the state uh, and parts of, of the very center of the state are in extreme drought conditions to the point where they're really starting to talk about um, real water rationing. Uh, which means you know only getting to take showers on certain days uh, and, and not watering your lawn anymore. And honestly, folks, we live in a desert. Don't fucking water your lawn. <laughs> like Dry scape. Yeah, uh, zero scape, dry scape. Um, but do it right, unlike some of the people in our neighborhood that zero scaped and then thought, oh, I don't have to fucking worry about my yard, and now it's just a pile of weeds. You still have to pull the weeds, dumbasses. <laughs> weeds grow where grass doesn't. <laughs> Like, it's really good at growing without water. Uh, but zero scape and zero scape by putting in sagebrush and, and rock formations or put some put some damn astroturf in if you're just because you're allergic to sagebrush. Oh, um, no, I have real grass. No, but I'm saying zero scaping. You don't have grass when you zero scape in Utah. She's not allergic to grass. She's allergic to sagebrush. I know. That's I what am. I'm Actually, saying. Are you? Yeah. That's Cassie's what, allergic to grass. But too. that's <laughs> what I'm saying. In Jess's case, she doesn't zero scape with, with sagebrush. She zero scapes with AstroTurf. <laughs> I should have. We've actually talked about doing it in our front yard. I mean, no. AstroTurf now is starting to look really good. There's a lot of it down in St. George. Make sure you don't get, like, you know, well, cuts and, that, and burns because then you get staph infection. <laughs> Well, don't fucking roll around on AstroTurf. You, what are you doing in your front yard on a, like, as an AstroTurf? Like, the only thing that would bug Tag. me is I would have to go, like, pick up shit, but I wouldn't have to mow it, which that trade-off is, like, amazing. And the only shit well, I'm we picking up thinking is about the, stupid We were thinking about shit. the backyard. Yeah, it would just be the front yard. No, I'm just talking about the assholes that let their dog shit on my lawn and then don't pick it up. Does that happen? Oh, yeah. I've never told. Oh, that. there's always poop in the front yard when I <laughs> when I mow, and I know it's not my dog because he can't get out of the backyard. So, uh, and if he does get out, when he does get out of the backyard, because he has, he just runs to the front door and sits at the front. Yeah, door. Yeah, he sits on our front porch. <laughs> oh like, crap! I got out. I don't know how to get back. Yeah, he's he's uh he's loyal. The dog. <laughs> he's like ah fuck yeah I'm free. Oh, I'm gonna go back to the house. <laughs> What am I going to eat? I'll go back. <laughs> so yeah, but we had so we had a couple of really wet months a couple of years ago, um, but and, and not those months we had three to four hundred percent precipitation in that time frame. Uh, but outside of that, we've not had a lot of of wet years. I mean, we've talked about it. Like we magically got snow for the Olympics, um, but barely. <laughs> but it almost didn't happen, right? And so. 
you know, Utah is is somebody at, needs to start rain dancing. Yeah. Well, right now, okay, right now, just as an example, so we were at um, Deer Creek. Deer Creek is at like fifty eight percent of normal capacity. That's really damn low. That's really low. And think about it. How how much has it rained this this year? Hardly any. Hardly any in the spring. Well, and Deer like Creek is one of summer. those places that, like, as soon as you come around the corner, you can see how low it is. Yeah, it's you can see how crazy. low it is. Well, and what, like, like you were saying a little earlier, what people don't realize is a month of rain is not going to replenish. No, and actually rain doesn't really do a we whole need lot snowpack. for us. Snowpack. Snowpack is what does it. That's where we get most of our water. And snowpack the right way that melts at the right speed so it doesn't get too hot too fast and the snow melts properly so that it actually can sink in and fill up our, our groundwater supply. Um, so hydrologically speaking, Utah overall, we're at 64 or 65% reservoir storage. My uncle um, said if you can still see snow at the... Um, like concave part of Timpanogos in June, it'll be a good farming year. Well, and you a good can. water year. So you, you, you can. can still see snow now. There's a little no, on, the, on the very front. Oh, on the front? Yeah, yeah. Oh. on the front. No, on the back you can. There's always glaciers back there. They're cool. I, I'm hoping that we That's a hike it. you guys should do up to the summit. So that is actually... actually that's a goal. <laughs> that's a goal for next summer, I think. We want to get to a point where we can hike the summit of Temp because that's not an easy hike. Actually, it's not too bad. We did it when we were... In well, high school. Well, it's not you too bad. Fucking sp- you did it in high school. Jess, yeah, with leaders Jess, who are our age now. Okay, but we're probably in a lot better shape than we are now. It's really actually not that bad. So, <laughs> no, and I have friends that do it. Yeah, true. Uh, it depends. Fat. So there are two, there are two really. He's such a bitch. So there are two <laughs> different entrances to it. And so it just depends on which one you take. Huh. Yeah. But I, that's I, our one. Yeah, we actually discussed that this because there's the it. Provo side and there's like the back American Fork side. So do yeah, it. I definitely wanted to do that, and that's. A I goal feel like I want to do the American Fork side. It seems prettier. That's the side that we went up. The Timpanooki side. The Timpanooki is that what you just Timpanooki. said? Timpanooki. You making your own damn words up again? Like Timpanogo? Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Um, but definitely uh, pay attention because we are in a drought. Um, it's a really bad. Drought. I know for Riverton, they a few months ago they asked it for us to to please back off on our watering. Oh yeah, we talked about it. We yeah. talked about it. You can you can have brown spots on your lawn, people. Guess what? I don't do water any more than I've watered for the last three years because I don't give a shit if my yard dies. I really don't. I and don't set your sprinklers for the middle of the night because you don't know if your sprinkler heads are broken. Well, make sure you check them. Like I always, every spring, I go out and make sure my sprinklers are watering properly. And you'll get to see if you have specific areas of your yard that are brown. Your sprinklers probably aren't actually hitting those areas. And if you've got really, really green spots, they've probably had a broken sprinkler. Or you have an overly, you have one that's on for too long. So yes, water at night. Because if you water at 12 o'clock in the afternoon... It well, just evaporates. Well, I feel like water like early morning. Yeah, that's what I think. We ought to or later at night, but, but not yeah, in not the middle of the night. If you water, in the afternoon. if you water when the sun's up, most of your water evaporates before it can soak into the soil. And you can burn your lawn and make it worse because yeah. then the sun just hits all those little water droplets and reflects off of it. Yeah, yeah. So early in the morning, meaning like five thirty, six in the morning before the sun comes up, and pay attention if that's when you're going to do it. And set your lawnmowers a little bit higher. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and mulch. And Don't mulch. bag. And then, I mean, it, in the, the, the 
busiest part of the season when your grass is growing the most. Yeah, I mow every week. But this time of year, you should be doing about every other week. Oh, yeah. And mulching. To be fair, I try to mow as little as possible. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's time to mow when the lawnmower struggles to cut the grass. Well, see, and I, with with my lawn, I put my grass into my compost and in my garden. So when I do bag, it it just goes right back into the garden and the compost. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, enough gardening 101. (laughs) All right. One one other cool thing about being in a desert. you may or may not realize this, but we have a desert research station in this state. It's not talked about. I think a biodome. That's basically what it is. <laughs> no, I mean, it really is. It really is. So we have a Mars desert research station here. So they had one up in like basically Alaska. Basically, what they're trying to do is mimic what they think the environment on Mars is going to be like because we are trying to send a manned mission to Mars. They should watch the Martian. Because that'll tell them exactly what the weather's like. Plant potatoes. Potatoes. That's all I fucking learned is potatoes are easy to grow. <laughs> so I'm planting potatoes next year. Um, that's a good movie, though. I really actually, I, like, I actually that really like that movie. Um, but uh, the, the thing is, is like a manned mission to Mars, you know, a, a lot of missions in space are just a couple weeks, right? You go up, you spend a couple weeks, you come back down. They've been doing longer and longer missions to study. Yeah. So, like on the like space station, Kelly, like astronaut Kelly, um, you know they they've done some a lot of research on him to identify because he was up in space for over a year to identify the the changes that happen physically because it's going to take a couple years just to get to Mars, right? And then once you're there, how do we make the most out of that environment? So. There, the Mars Desert Research Station um, is operated, interestingly enough, not by NASA, but the Mars Society. Um, it's a, uh, a facility here in Utah that is supporting Earth-based research in pursuit of uh, basically space exploration and potentially living on Mars or, or kind of exploring it, that. I mean, you really take a minute to think about that, how daunting that is, though. You've got to take a year's worth of travel, everything... Just to get there. Yeah, just to get there. And then how long do you get to spend there? And then once you get there, you still had to have brought enough stuff with you. To go back. I mean, think about going on vacation, all the crap you take with you. Imagine <laughs> <laughs> imagine being on that plane for a year. <laughs> so the the MDRS campus. Get tired of peanuts. It's got six structures total, two of which are actually what they call the habitat or the hab. So it's, uh, two, uh, it's a two-story um eight meter in diameter cylindrical building building and it's been around since 2001 it has seven crew members at a time or at least it can house that many basically they send a bunch of people through this um to try and they totally have a a mistake in here they said that it's 12 inches by 24 inches but then they say foot i'm like maybe we should let them know that's for the that's that's for the uh the like the greenhouse arm of their little hub that they have it's big yeah, so they have a seven-meter geodesic dome uh, that uh, have a whole bunch of just different stuff that they're studying, microbiology and geological, and geological crap. Like, it's really This is cool. all funded by donations and volunteers. And it's out in the middle of nowhere, and they don't really say where it's at. Um, it is, it is uh, it's not that much of a secret. It's actually in northwestern Utah. Um, so it's in the area that's not inhabited by people. Are these Isn't the same close people, to like the proving ground sort of? Are these the same people that are like petitioning for the the real Mars thing with like Virgin, the, the company Virgin, 
who's doing a privately funded trip to Mars. Are these guys part of all that, or is this, are they their I own? I think they're their own thing. Uh, I think that Virgin has probably talked to them. Um, because this is a this is an independent group that is is doing a lot of this research. It's in the San Rafael swell. Yeah, that's up in northwestern Utah, right? Southern Utah. What? Oh. Northwest of Hanksville. What was You're I wrong. thinking? I was thinking there's there's something else that's up sort of by Dugway, but more like in that Dugway northwest corner. Dugway is by me. In that northwest corner, though, like Dugway above is the lake. out by me. You don't have that. About? I thought, yeah. Then they had that the Mars training ground. Yeah, there was something up there. Where they run like the rovers and stuff like that. Maybe that's what because it was. Because the terrain is supposedly similar. similar. Yeah. Well, and there's no one there. Like it's desolate. Yeah. There is there is a really cool uh, structure out there that's some pipes that are lined up with um, uh, the the alignment of the sun. So during the solstice, you can go up there and they like shine straight through the uh, the tunnels that they built. Oh, and they're like they're like giant water pipes basically. Hmm. But I only know about that cuz I I know some hippie friends or something. Or something. <laughs> I mean that's who that's who I learned about it from. But that's really cool, and that's something that that is is unique to Utah. It doesn't exist anywhere else on the planet, uh, and it's because of our our unique landscape in a lot and of ways. And you can go there, and then you can go to Capitol Reef. Yeah, yeah, which is right in that same area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and that's a state park, not a national park, and it's freaking beautiful. It's really cool. Uh, and don't fucking knock over the rock formations, you pricks. And oh. film it and put it on YouTube. <laughs> they will find you. They will find <laughs> you. And please don't do it as part of a Boy Scout expedition where you're teaching young kids how to fuck up the landscape. I will find you and I will hunt you down. And I will kill you. Jess personally will do it, and that's a threat. Um, I feel like I've been swearing a lot, which is, is disappointing because we are about to interview Shireen, and I feel like that detracts from her amazing bubbly personality. She didn't swear once, and I don't know if I could not swear running for office. In that's politics. Why, that's why I've not done it because I don't think I could do it. I really don't. I think that if I ran for office, I couldn't hold my tongue. You could keep tongue. the swears like in the back of it. Like, you just go to the bathroom and swear and then come out and be like. So the, <laughs> the problem is I do it. I, I do it professionally. Like, I don't I don't swear. Uh, at swear work. Prof- Dude, you're no, a professional no, no, no. swear. No, That's what you just made it sound you like You did though. just say that. I, I, I stop myself from doing it professionally. But <laughs> I have this time. Is that a thing? I have like this, you get paid for it? I have this time swear. outside of my professional life, like the podcast, where I just am, I let loose and I'm free. You don't get that in public life. Like, you don't, you, you enter this, this realm of, I don't have a lot of free time. You know, the free time that I have sitting on the toilet at three in the morning, I am you tweeting. Can swear in there. Swear on Twitter. <laughs> but it, it, anyway. You're not tweeting at three o'clock. No, but Donald Trump is on the toilet. That's his only private time. You only tweet during real games. I do tweet during real games. Away games, specifically. When I'm pissed off and looking so at the So you have one on the sixth? And then how many more after that do you have? Uh, so there's a home game on the 6th. That's our last, that's our next home game. I think there's one more home game. There's only like five games left of the regular season. Um, Kansas City this weekend is away. Uh, you'll probably see some swearing on Twitter from me. <laughs> Three o'clock. How are, yeah. the, how are the duck calls? How did that go over? Uh, I, it went over great for me, personally. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Uh, a couple of people around me thought it was funny. Um it was it was for me. It wasn't for anyone else. <laughs> and I, I sure do love the duck call. I was doing it in front of Chopper the other day, and he gave me this look like, what the hell's going on here? Why are you <laughs> making that sound? 
Well, with us today, we have uh, a candidate for uh, U.S. House District Number 2 in Utah, uh, Shireen Gorbani. Thanks for having me. And I got the name right. Yeah, Ooh, yeah, that's, that's the one thing I try to do. One out of 122. It's, it's basically that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> it happens. It happens occasionally. Um, so, uh, Shireen, um, I, we'll get to your campaign and we'll get to, to, to that in a little bit. Because, um, you know, anyone can go out on your website uh, and read your platform, but I want to know who you are. So, where'd you grow up? Yeah, so I grew up uh, just outside of Bismarck, North Dakota. Whoa. Okay, so small town. <laughs> yes. I heard you're the daughter of a farmer's daughter. I am. I'm the daughter of a farm, <laughs> farmer's daughter. Um, yeah, so my mom grew up on a small farm on the North Dakota-Montana border, um, a little town called Beach, North Dakota. Beach. Did not have a beach, um, named after a person. Yeah. Beach in a landlocked state. Yes. <laughs> yes. I believe there's a reservoir. Um, and I, um, she, after a pretty exciting um, life, settled back in North Dakota, in Bismarck, North Dakota. So I was raised just outside of town in, um, you know, I mean, a pretty modest house. Uh, lived across the street from a creek where I spent a lot of time swimming and grew up running in cornfields and playing a lot outside, I think mostly because my mom was exhausted um, as a single mom raising me, um, a child with, you know, a lot of energy, I would say. <laughs> um, she sent me outside a lot. So I grew up spending a lot of time outside, um, building tree forts, climbing, playing in the water, which was a really great way to grow up. Was it so just, are you an only child? Oh, that's what I was going to ask. I am. Um, me too. So you're spoiled. Um, when you grow up poor, it's not really the same. Um, so it's just lonely. Yeah. Um, I was lucky because I did have the kind of community where, um, you know, neighbors across the street served as almost surrogate um, siblings, people that I'm still friends with to this day um, that, you know, we did truly spend a lot of time just like running around um, in cornfields, like playing in the, you know, like kids should. Like kids should. So she's a child of the corn. Yeah. Oh, that is messed up. Children. Of That's the going corn. in the show notes. Yeah. Children of the corn. Nope. Child of the corn. <laughs> so how how'd you get to Utah? Um, I came to Utah about a decade ago um, for graduate work. So I came here because of the University of Utah um, and have I just fell in love with it. It was the kind of place that allowed me and my husband to really put down roots. Um, we'd lived a, a number of different places, moved pretty much every two years until we moved here. And I just... Didn't want to let it go. Got a great opportunity to um, work at the University of Utah. So I came here to study there. I have a master's from the University of Utah in organizational communication and policy. I came here to study campus sexual assault. Um, so really the place where institutions, policy, and violence come together is my um, area of interest um, in research. And I've done a lot of community work around that too. I'm hmm. the board chair of the Rape Recovery Center here in, in Salt Lake City and um, have for many years done a lot of activism and work around that. Well, after you win, we have to have you on for all those other things. <laughs> I'm down. We, we can certainly talk about some of those other things uh, so, today as well. What about your husband? Did What, what does he do and how did he kind yeah. of fit into... 
to the to the trajectory to the move to yeah. what we do so I am incredibly lucky to be married to um, just this wonderful man Nick Steffens he's so supportive of this race and many of the things that I've done over the years um, a great partner a good um, person to we we take in a lot of live music together we um, are raising our three-year-old together and he is a um, he was in television news for a long time so he worked oh. as a news shooter and then ultimately moved into executive producing of the news here in, in Salt Lake um, and found it to be a little untenable um, and moved from there to be a high school English teacher. So that's oh, what wow. he does wow. now. Wow, that's like... So you both are like, like serious like community <laughs> service workers at this point. Yes. <laughs> so that, that's good to, that's good to, to hear. Um, it's, it's just nice because when a lot of politicians... I actually wrote this down in my notes. When a lot of politicians say they're people... They're, they are people that they know the people they really don't yeah i mean and they so come from it's cool that you like both when, really do yeah like when a certain senator that we have i won't name names goes to meet with the people he wears all denim because he's gonna meet with the people <laughs> yeah with with the indians i think he called them Oof. I think yeah, he actually yeah. said Indian. Anyway. Denim Warren was a great guy, right? <laughs> so, or, we've or, spent a, a community service and service is a big part of our, our our personal just commitment and passion. We served two years together in the Peace Corps, which I think is a really big um, part of our lives and something I'm really proud of, too. And so being kind of grounded and connected. But on that note, I'll tell you something that's really funny that happens to me a lot is people will stop by the office or they meet me for the first time. In this wild turn of events, there's another Shireen Gorbani who is a doctor. No and so way. they'll be like, tell me what kind of medicine you practice. And I'm like, you're like, I, I don't. And uh, or often people will say, now tell me about your law practice, because we have this expectation set up that politics is for people who are um, in certain lanes. And I think that it serves us better if we break out of that a little bit. Well, and I, I was going to say that, like most politicians come out of the legal realm, like doctors, kind of a newer thing that you're starting to see some of that stuff happen. But for the most part, they, they come out of law offices or personal injury offices like super high corporate businesses yeah yeah so yeah and those people are connected with us normal folk yeah That's for, for sure, sure. Yeah. for sure i mean i know a couple <laughs> attorneys um <laughs> They, they certainly struggle to get by as teachers that's for sure right <laughs> <laughs> um okay so so should we ask now now where does the jump come yeah into politics. Yeah. So for me, it was 2016. Um, I was certainly motivated, motivated by things that were happening on the national scale, but it was very personal. Um, so in June of 2016, my mom was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And in the immediate weeks after that, she was very sick when she was diagnosed. And in the immediate weeks after that, we had to sit around our kitchen table with my family and talk about what we might have to sell or do to get access to affordable health care. Um, and we were in many respects lucky because she was 68. So she had aged into Medicare a system that as a working single mom, she paid into her entire life. Mm -hmm. Not an entitlement. Not folks. an entitlement. Uh, earned benefit. And it was there for us when we needed it. It's the reason I didn't have to deplete every single dollar she ever saved or sell the house to get her comfort and care at the end of her life. Um, so she was diagnosed in June. She died August 19th. And in that span of time, I kept thinking how grateful I was that the conversations that we were having 
weren't like, where's the deed to the house? How do I sell the car? How do I, you know, like, and I know families face that. Um, I'm grateful that we weren't setting up a GoFundMe page, um, like the 900 in this district that are working to fund people's healthcare needs. Um, there was just such a real moment to sit as we, you know, were with her in her, in her last weeks. And it just hit me hard that families need solutions on healthcare. And, um, it's not just our elderly. It's not just our children, though. That's a huge priority for me, but when we know so viscerally that children should not go without healthcare in this community, I don't think that it's a far reach for us to say the same should apply to everyone in our community. Healthcare is, is freedom, healthcare is dignity, and I'm working for access to affordable healthcare for every American. That's a that's a, a lofty goal, yeah. honestly. The health healthcare reform in this country, I mean, we tried it like 12 years ago, give or take, uh, with, with Obama, uh, maybe closer to 10, I guess I'm, I'm kind of, <laughs> we tried to do it bipartisan and it didn't work because we ended up giving concessions in. And I think we should have just, this is me, by the way, this is not sure. I don't <laughs> yeah. know what her opinion is, but Disclaimer. personally, I, I think a single payer system's the way to go. It's the way you can drive costs down. The problem with a competitive marketplace is costs just keep going up and up and up and up and up because doctors want the best contracts. They're not really striving to improve care necessarily because there's no system forcing that improvement of, of outcome. Uh, and you start to see that happen when you go to a single payer. Look at other countries uh, and look at the innovations that they're, they're creating. Uh, with with single payer systems, so again, that's me. I don't I don't know personally, Shereen. Yeah. <laughs> so I uh, often say I'm not so ideologically entrenched that I believe that I have all the answers on this, or that any party does. Um, I would certainly love to see Republicans coming to the table with solutions for families. It's not a priority that I see, and exactly what you're saying is true. We know that when we have uh, other examples from single payer systems, that the overall spending on healthcare is less. More people have coverage, um, and another Another place where we lag behind is in our healthcare outcomes. Um, we could be doing a lot better in terms of providing care. Um, there are many, many examples. One that's near and dear to my heart is um, our maternal mortality rate in this country. That's and insane. we could be doing so much better on so many things that matter to Utahns in this place where we are having more children right, than anywhere else. It matters so much um, to our families and, and really to the, I think, strength of our communities to, to serious, seriously tackle healthcare. Well, in our our maternal mortality rate so that's mothers dying during childbirth or or soon thereafter it's the worst in the industrialized world so to, to go along with this my sister-in-law i don't know if heather told you this my sister-in-law four months ago had a baby she flatlined three times during the delivery that's terrifying had to have life flighter turns out the doctor accidentally cut an artery whoops that's crazy yeah well, what's she doing what is she? Okay? She's she's. Okay. I mean, she's doing better. She's okay. recovering, but yeah, she flatlined. Yeah, three different but, times they had to bring her back well, from, and then it, it was bad. But it, it was a what should have just been something relatively simple because they did a C-section, yeah. but they made a major mistake. And then even at the end of all of it, it was just like, oh, we're sorry. And that's part of. I mean, that's part of the rising cost of healthcare is malpractice insurance. But if you have a single payer system and and you can identify those inefficiencies and those 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 problems with the single payer system, uh, or or even a better regulated system, you can keep doctors that make those kind of crappy mistakes out. Well, and this particular doctor has done it three different times. Exactly. Same thing. Wow. They shouldn't be practicing medicine. <laughs> That's terrifying. Insurance shouldn't have to exist for that. They simply shouldn't be practicing medicine if yeah. they've done the same mistake three times it in a row. It needs to be like a veterinarian. That. 
<laughs> no, I don't want animals to die. What well, the I heck? mean, look, I think there should be a path. Right now, there's no path. He's board certified. It takes a lot to lose that certification. It, it takes a lot to lose your credentialing at a well, hospital, it's like, too. It's like Dr. Touchdown we had a few month, a few weeks ago. <laughs> when he's, facial plastic surgery. When he said, you know what, you call the doctor who got a D in... It's still a doctor. You still call him doctor. Yeah. So, And I'm not saying that that's, you know, that's that's a problem that can be solved overnight by, by any stretch of the imagination, but it is a huge problem. Yeah. So I'm actually curious. Well, I, I think we can get back to, to some of the campaign stuff. I'm actually curious specifically about the challenges that you face. Look, we're, we're fairly liberal. Anyone that listens to this show for an extended period of time will pick up on that. Um, fairly. <laughs> but, I mean, you're, you're running in, in the second congressional district here, uh, the second house district, I should say, uh, in the state of Utah. It is one of the most Republican districts in the country. Uh, I think 72nd in terms of Republican voters uh, well, is what I last saw. I, I was looking up some stuff, though, today when I, after your debate, and I was noticing, though, it really goes back and forth between Republican, Democrat, Republican, Democrat, Republican, like pretty evenly it looked like. So this is a district that um, a big chunk of this district was represented by Jim Matheson until Mm -hmm. 2012. Um, It's also the second most competitive district that we have in Utah. So our first district and third district are about 10 points more conservative than this one is, right? Um, The other thing that we know is there's a lot of change happening in the second and fourth. Um, There's a lot of change happening in Utah. um, But really seeing those sort of big shifts in population, new population, people coming to the city, um, coming into Salt Lake City or the Salt Lake Valley. Um, I have a big chunk of that in my district. And so we know that there's a big change. I also think that when we look at what's happening um, really across uh, even the Republican Party, there there's fracturing. And we know that there's uh, a lot, there are a lot of people who feel unrepresented, that don't feel like they have a voice, whether that is an independent, uh, an occasional voter. Uh, Democrats certainly feel voiceless. But I meet many, many Republicans who are struggling to see some of the core values that they've held for many years reflected in what's happening with this administration. Um, So I think that we have to um, be willing to reconsider some of the more tribal instincts that we might have around our politics and look at who is uh, reflecting the values that we most want to see carried on our behalf to Washington and really take, I I think, a serious look at. I, I can't believe how many people I meet who say we should have term limits. And I'm like, in, in a way, right? I mean, this is like a cute and annoying answer. We do. You just have to vote. Yeah. You have to get out and vote. And if we vote, I don't think we would have this kind of situation that we have where people are allowed to stay for many, many terms when we believe they're not meeting our needs. Well, on this podcast, we've encouraged people to vote on a local arena because really right now, the way that it's set up, a Democrat isn't going to really reflect their vote in the presidential election. It's probably just not going to happen. Not in the state of Utah. Right. But here in the state, your vote can count. If you, if enough people come out, it can count. E- even in an incredibly gerrymandered district like this. Oh my gosh. Two. That's <laughs> one of my questions. How do you deal with the urban needs of Salt Lake City, West Valley. I mean, even, even Farmington's kind of urban-y, you know, and the, the depot. And then and the urban needs of St. George, which is growing incredibly fast. Sure. And then all of that middle farmland. We don't have the same needs. It's got to be hard to represent both. And I feel like Chris Stewart d- doesn't. Yeah. So, I mean, that's one of the reasons I got into this race. Um 
and I'm just going to challenge that a little bit because what I have found, whether I'm meeting with the head of the Farm Bureau in Paiute County or I'm sitting down with, uh, you know, the mayor of North Salt Lake, the concerns that individuals have on a day to day basis are really the same. There is much, much more that unites us than divides us. And I don't necessarily think that's just a product of this political moment, but I do think there's a lot going on kind of on the larger scale that is forcing us to say, you care about access to affordable health care, so do I. There are people, of course, living in Penguich that have children with pre-existing conditions or a daughter with autism who is looking for the kind of help that they're going to need so that she can get the kind of therapy she needs to be successful, right, to really um, get through school, have, have a good, strong school system. That is something that I hear whether I'm in Boulder Town or I'm in St. George or I'm here in Salt Lake City. Um, education is a core value that we share. And I would love to see a greater priority placed on that. It's shocking to me that we have the youngest state in the nation. We are producing children um, in a way that aren't, you know, we're not seeing around the nation. And we don't have a fierce advocate for children or for children's issues in our congressional delegation. And I think we deserve that. Um, so there, there's so much that we have common ground on, um, whether that's uh, wanting to have access to our public lands, there there are a lot of questions about the management of that public of that public land and how we're how we're accessing it, and who has access. Um, but our ranchers are not going to be well served by turning that, you know, changing the um, monument designation, especially if any of that land goes into state hands and then could potentially be sold off. That's not good for their could, economy. Could potentially. I think there's, there's yeah. no could potentially there. Right. I mean, I think that's the vision. Right. Um, and we know that in state after state where federal lands have been turned over to the state, ultimately, that's a huge cost burden on the state and they're sold. That is not the right decision for uh, some of our ranching communities. It's not the decision, right decision for, you know, people like you who, who may enjoy. I love taking my son and my family down there um, to be in the monument and to be able to just connect in wild spaces, you know. And I think we, many, many of us agree that we are really being the best version of ourselves when we're protecting things that are wild and free and really investing in the leadership to address the concerns around it. So I think we have... Yes, these are different places, but the kinds of day-to-day challenges that we face and when we think about putting forward the very best of what it means to be a Utah or the very best, best of what it means to be an American, we think we have a lot of agreement, whether that's education, health care, our environment, air we can breathe, um, you know, soil that's clean, um, making sure that our uh, goods and products have a place in the global scale. Like Holy all of these cow. things we agree on. We agree on. Um, but it serves I think it serves our um, current political climate for us to feel like we're divided. I think that's my favorite thing about your campaign, that you are really positive and you concentrate on that unity because you mentioned in the debate with Chris Stewart that the, the, the biggest issue I think it felt like you had with the president is why are you so divisive? Um, it's not necessarily that, you know, you tweet crappy stuff, but why does it have to be divisive? Why do you have to pit us against one each other? Because that's what's happening. We're, we're being pitted against one another. And I like that um, throughout your campaign or at the debate, you've been you. Chris Stewart was able to agree with you on things and you were able to show I'm not that different. Like, you know, if you're Republican and you're wavering, it's not I'm not saying I'm a totally different person. 
I, I care about the same things that he cares about. I just want to see them in a different way. I want to come at them from a different direction as opposed to this standard, you know, white Mormon male that comes from Utah. You have a totally different perspective as a woman coming from Utah than he does. And I think we need new viewpoints. Yeah. And I, I don't know that it has necessarily anything to do with those specific identity markers, but it does have to do with the fact that he's become a product of Washington. He's going for two more years. It'll be eight. Um, he's, you know, going after eight years in Washington. I, um, so I kind of joked that we have term limits with our vote, right? But really, um, I think, it's, t- I do believe in term limits. I think that we should have a, t- a timeline on how long people can be in. And I do think that we lose touch with, um, everyday needs of Utahns when we're scrambling. The system we have now is built to force people to scramble to raise millions of dollars to stay competitive. Well, that's, that's what I was going to ask. So, the, you know, Chris Stewart now running for his fourth term, basically. And while it is every two years, once you get to a point, Orrin Hatch, Orrin Hatch, when he originally ran, ran on a platform of term limits and, and of limited government. And he has been in office for six million years since then. <laughs> um, he's, he's like, I, I swear, I, I really thought he was going to run again and he would end up being like Strom Thurmond and just die in Senate chambers. Um, but I'm pretty sure it's like weekend at Bernie. He is dead. He has been for a long time. They just, just prop him up. And <laughs> <laughs> but my, my question is like, how do you, how do you compete against that? Because you have a guy like Chris Stewart who is, you know, this is his, his now fourth term he's running for. Um, and he has this engine of campaign finance and, and, and raising money for his campaign that when it gets to a year, cause Look, to be realistic, the last three elections, he didn't have a whole lot of competition. Right. He basically got to get away with just with just doing it. You're eating into that eating into that that margin right now in terms of of what the polls are showing. But how do you compete with that 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 money raise? Because he's at you know in in June, which I think was the last time figures were released, he was like seven hundred thousand dollars raised for for this campaign, and and you are a small small fraction of that. Yeah. So we just crossed two hundred and twenty thousand dollars raised total, which wow. I'm very proud of. Um, we are doing it grassroots, so we're not taking corporate pack we are doing it um, with individual contributions. Um, and I'm very proud of that. Uh, it does make this difficult, right? Like I could be spending my day calling up uh, people who have much deeper pockets. Um, Instead but of hanging out on a podcast I with us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, I'd rather be doing this, right? Yeah. Um, uh, and I don't mind asking for money because we have to have that, right? We have to have it to get to the doors. But here's here's what I can tell you is, a, is something that I have learned knocking on. Our team has knocked on over 40,000 doors. I personally wow. have knocked on hundreds of doors. And I'm not exaggerating when I say from Bountiful to Big Water. So we have been in all corners of this district. I am out there talking to people. And I do believe there's a real disconnect. People don't know who their representative is. They don't feel like uh, that's a person who has a lot of influence or a lot of connection to their everyday life. I occasionally meet people who do. Um, they tend to be people who are in um, you know, some leadership roles in their communities. And so it's not that he's not doing anything. But when I'm out knocking door after door, especially around here, um, um, you know, I have people say, now I know my representative isn't me a love, but I don't like, I don't know who it is. That's who mine is. Yeah, well, and what I say <laughs> is if you don't know, that's your representative's problem, not yours. They should be working to make themselves important to you um, and available to you in very tangible and meaningful ways. And that's something I commit to doing. I believe you. I like, like I do. I like, like people. I, After 40,000 40, doors is a lot. Yeah. yeah. I, 
I yeah. To put it in perspective, I mean, this is this is a district that um, when it was created, it was created specifically to keep Democrats from holding a seat in the House. Um, it's more or less from what I can tell, based on election results and what's kind of happened since we redistricted uh, back in, in 2012. It was designed to get Matheson out of Congress. And when he almost lost to me a love, that was it. He said, I'm, I'm done. I'm not going to try and fight this fight anymore uh, in a state that clearly, clearly doesn't want us there. Um, you are, you know, 40,000 doors is is more votes than what Chris Stewart won by in a district that was designed for him to win uh, um, in 2014. And we would like to knock on 100,000 by election election day. So that's our goal. And this is so these are these are big numbers, guys. But what we're talking about, you know, overall in terms of, of votes that that count, this is the kind of election where your vote really counts. If you look at look at that year that the, the last year that Matheson had won and decided to bow out that election between him and me and love was decided by literally a couple hundred votes. Uh, Suzanne Harrison is a great example, ran um, in, uh, I, I don't know, I don't know the exact boundaries of it, but she ran um, last cycle. She came within five votes. Five. 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 So it just matters so much. It matters at the local level. Uh, you mentioned that um, race here in Utah. We've seen district after district that have come down to just under a thousand votes. And so it's National Voter Registration Day. So I would encourage everyone to make sure that they are registered at their current address. Um, you can go onto the lieutenant governor's site, so vote.utah.gov, and you can check your status. Um, if you see like the teams of Indivisible Out or other groups, it's no big deal to re-register. If you're if you're unsure if you're registered at your your current address, go ahead and re-register. Voterize is doing registration. I think uh, the numbers that I heard was, uh, I believe that Indivisible just crossed over 10,000 voters registered. So that matters. We have a very low voter participation rate here. And I think actually it's because of some of this gerrymandering. People feel like their votes don't matter. Their voice doesn't matter because of the way the districts are drawn. But what I'm saying is if we actually show up and vote, it doesn't matter. You can cut this district any way you want and we can win. Yeah. Well, I mean, just look at the turnout, look at the turnout in the Democratic primary or the Democratic caucus, if you will, um, for the last you know general election. That's the kind of voter turnout that if, if we get that, Republicans won't stand a chance in a district like this. I'm, I'm not saying we can maybe turn the tide in, 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 say, Bishop's district necessarily because it is so incredibly conservative. But in a district like this where they tried to cut the Democrats out of the, the election process uh, in the state of Utah, we can certainly take that stuff back very easily. Um, you just got to show up. You just got to not be 70 years old with nothing else to do. You can get time off work. It's the law. They have to let you go vote. Well, and even better, it's coming in your mailbox. Yes. So your your ballots will arrive if you're in Salt Lake County. They will arrive uh, the week of October 8th. You will get them soon. You will have time to look at them. You'll have time to reach out to campaigns and candidates, and you should. You should do that. Um, I would love you know the vote of every listener in the 2nd District, and I also tell you I'm willing to work for it. So if you you've got questions, we are very responsive on Facebook, on Twitter. Twitter's a little harder because sometimes they get buried. Um, but if you send us a message on Facebook, if you send us uh, an email, if you contact our campaign, we have a phone number on the website, we respond. And I do that because I want the honor to serve this district. And that means that I need to be accountable when people have questions. So are you saying that if you're elected, you'll hold a town hall? Uh, 
Because <laughs> I don't know, since since uh, Chaffetz Town Hall, I don't think a single one has actually been held in the state. Okay, untrue. And I will tell you this. It's actually a model for what I think is the right thing to do, and that's John Curtis. So Representative Curtis has held over 50 town halls wow. since he since he got in, and he's everywhere. He's very available. He's in the district um, and, and regularly is out in the district. Um, you know, I, yes, I will commit to do that because I – on one so for two reasons one it's the right thing to do and two i really love it i have the most beautiful district in the united states and i will fight anyone who wants to challenge me and you have plenty of awesome sparkly dresses to do it (laughs) i get phone calls from chaffetz all the time i'm sorry i missed you at our town meeting Oh, I get them from Mia Love, too. I didn't even yeah. know we Tele, had one. Tele-town halls. Don't yeah. do those. Hey, my, my favorite thing about Mia Love is all the uh, mailers I get that are, are campaign-slanted mailers that are paid for by you, the taxpayer, because uh, she gets Yeah, that don't do that. No. Well, and all of these <laughs> things, I think, are really indicative of why people feel checked out, and they feel un- like their votes don't matter, and they feel like politics is gross, and we can change this. <laughs> well, but we got to vote. You mentioned your time in the Peace Corps, and you mentioned the environment there and the Russian influence there. And you mentioned that whole, um, now the word has gone out of my head. I was going to look it up. Uh, apathy. Yes. And you mentioned that you're, you're seeing all of that happen. And Chris Stewart acknowledged that he thinks you're right too. I mean, it, it, I wish you could see, I wish everyone could see her grin right now. It was amazing how often he was like, well, I can't do any better than that. Cause it's, it's true. Like your platform is great. The way you express yourself is great. It like, I can't say it again. You're so positive and it's so nice because we have so much negativity. Like even us, like it's hard not to go down that negative road about all the crappy stuff that's happening and forget the great stuff that's happening because you mentioned, um, Trump's initiative for wanting to, um, the pharmaceuticals. Oh so, yeah. Allow and Medicare. I, went, yeah. I didn't even know that. I was so focused on the crappy way his campaign was and, and how disillusioned I felt by him that I, I don't notice anything positive. Right. And it was kind of nice to hear, okay, while I still don't agree with him or his politics, at least there's, there are some things maybe that, that could redeem the presidency. And, and it, it shows that that you're willing to cross that line because over and over and over again, we hear not just the Republicans, but the Democrats say, you're not willing to work with us. Right. And we both do it. And every term, it's whoever's in charge. Well, you're just not willing to work with us. Well, neither were you when it came around. Well, we get petty. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So I was smiling because I did feel like there was so much agreement that I'm like, can I have his vote? Um, like, <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? You might get it. That's what I was you might thinking. not be awesome. No, I was thinking that. He was incredibly gracious and generous with me um, when I did meet him. That's the first time I met him was on the stage. And, and he said something funny to me. He said, you know, I think we're going to have a different opinion on a number of things. Let's agree to disagree. And I said, you know, I'd rather just agree to agree. There is so much, again, that we have in common. And I and he did say this, that there are many things that we would like to do for the American people. We have different ideas about how we get that done. But the fact is that our Congress isn't working for us and he's a part of it. Yeah. Yep. I mean, that's that's what it boils down to. Well, we've talked about it many times before. We've got to get these people that have been in forever out. That's how we're going to see the change. Yeah. It, it makes me kind of think back to so when when Misty Snow was was running for Senate a couple of years ago. We love Misty. Um, 
I remember watching her debate at BYU, and when she got asked a question, I don't remember. It was on some trade policy. His face was and awesome. The face on Mike Lee when she was able to just spit out a, probably more information. He was on the freaking committee that was dealing with it, and she probably knew more about it than he did. You could just see the expression in his face when he was like, oh, shit, I have a real challenger. Yeah, she I mean, she has been she was initially thinking about running in this race. Mm -hmm. um, and she I am endlessly impressed with her ability to just consume and process and data, facts and right. figures is uh, it's a marvel. It's truly incredible. She should be working at, at the very least as an aide in Congress because she's insane. Um, she's she's really good at, at know, dissecting that information. I know we don't have a ton of time left, but I I copied this down word for word because you could tell how impressed um, Stuart was when you said this, and it 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 touched on like I said, this diplomacy that you have and this willingness to just say, let's just work together. I really just don't care. I just want to work together. You said, I support anyone who is in that office. talking about the president. I support anyone who is in that office and I want them to do the absolute best work they can do. I'm troubled by his conduct in our White House, whether that's what he tweets whether that's the way that he as a candidate insults golds to our family, his treatment of women, all that concerns me. I think valid concerns for every American, but I do want him to do a great job. Do I support his work in the White House? Do I, want, I do want him to do well. I want him to wake up every day and work to fight for you. And he was astounded by it. He was astounded by that. And the, the, the mediator said, you know, do you have a rebuttal to his compliment? And I was so excited because you said, you know, I, I kind of do. Like, I don't want a president that flam, Fans, fans the, the flames, flames of, of division. division. Yeah. That sounds rehearsed. <laughs> but it, I mean, it was just amazing. Like he, you could just see they did a little split screen and his face was just like, crap. What do I do? Like it was a whole, it was that same kind of a Mike Lee moment where it was like, I, I, I got to step up because I have the potential to lose this race because I'm not, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't think it serves any party well. I don't think it serves any politician well to run only in the negative, only on mm -hmm. a deficit or only because they hate something or are mad about something. I am not in any way discounting the fact that the election of Donald Trump was a motivating factor for me to start looking at my representation and think about what I could do. Right. Like what I could really do. Um, but above that is a vision for this country, which is one that lives up to our greatest ideals of equality, of freedom, of providing uh, leadership in the world, American values, like our back to the idea of like the best version of who we think we are and who we can be, not only in this country, but on a global scale. Those are motivating factors for me. I would say the surprising thing about the election of Donald Trump is how deeply I found myself to be someone who is, who would define myself as a patriot. I didn't think that was a term that sat in my identity well, even though I served this country and I was very proud to defend our constitution and to serve in a, you know, in a, in a way like a, uh, a peace, a peace building role as a, as a Peace Corps volunteer. I didn't know how upset I would be when someone was in our White House that I think violates a real sense of decency and who brings a real 
um, chaotic sense of cruelty to policies that violate my very sense of who we are as Americans. Um, so that's, it's been a, a learning curve for me to think about how to talk about that. And I think along for a long time, Democrats have shied away from, from words like patriotism or standing mm-hmm. up to say they're a patriot, but nothing could be truer for me. Um, I am so proud of this country when we are at our very best. And I know that we need to be rethinking some of the ways that we're acting and some of the ways that we're engaging with each other. I think online is a great place to start um, and and lead with what you want and what you care about and the values that drive that. Um, and to just, we have to get away from just this entrenched Fighting, name calling, it's just not helping anyone um, do better. And I know we can. Okay, there's a there's a question on here. I don't know who wrote it, but I think it's the, probably the best question on here. We, we kind of, for those of you that, that listen, we, we uh, write down questions to kind of guide uh, the conversation, but we don't like straight up interviews. Um, but I'm going to ask this question anyway. So Ben and Jerry's is creating new ice cream flavors to support congressional candidates they think are progressive. What would you... Uh, what would your take back Congress ice cream, cream flavor be? <laughs> okay. Um, I feel like this is Jessica's question. I can't remember where I found it. If it was in USA Today or, wow. or Washington Post. Well, I don't remember, I, but it's real. I saw that in our notes and I'm like, we have to ask that it's because real. it's a great question. Okay. So my first idea is that it should be something that feels very, um, Utah. Um, so, uh, I was thinking about maybe peaches, uh, but I do believe that there already was the, um, Willie Nelson. I think Willie Nelson's <laughs> one was, was peaches. I think like peach pie or something. Um, so maybe it would be, um, a goat cheese honey. Mm. And it would have a very big beehive on the front. I could get behind that. And an eagle and an American flag. Maybe you could, maybe you could use Jeremy's honey from his bees. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a good answer. Um, okay. So what we're, we're, uh, we're going to run out of time, but I want to, is there anything that we haven't talked about from an issue standpoint that is really important to you that you want to make sure and, and talk about? Um, I do think something that is uh, that I get asked about a lot is uh, where I stand on our. Um, so we've got uh, question one on our ballot about schools, mm-hmm. and then the propositions. So if you'd like to talk about those quickly, I'd be happy to talk about those. Um, I'm also really happy to kind of just do like a quick hit of the lists of things that I believe are critically important in this district that I hear over and over again. Um, so what, what's Go your preference? It. It. You have forty thousand people you've talked to. You have to know what's important. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's all about your time. So all right. So let me start with um, what I believe are back to those kinds of core issues that unite us. Healthcare, obviously, we've spoken quite a bit about that. So I'm going to take that one. Um, That's at if not the very top um, of the issues that I hear at the doors uh, and when I'm out in the public. Uh, mental health care parity in our health care system is a huge one, making sure that people have access to mental health care counselors, uh, um, making sure that they've got the right kinds of support that they need. Um, another really big one that I hear over and over again, especially on this end of the district, is our air quality, making sure that we have a representative who's serious about uh, cleaning up our air and holding polluters accountable and really doing our very best to to push industries ahead so that we are uh, making the right decisions, whether it's emission standards or um, with our vehicles or mileage standards to make sure that so we So you are. don't think it's okay to just let the president install a head of the EPA that used to work for an oil company that's dismantling all of their regulations? It's not good with me. Okay. No, that's not right. <laughs> just making sure. Um, the opioid 
crisis is ripping communities in this district and in the state um, across this country right apart. Um, the suicide rate um, in particular are um, young LGBT youth that are really suffering in this um I mean, I don't think it's just this political climate because it's something that we've been seeing climbing. Uh, but I had the great honor of being at the Pride kickoff down in St. George. And I can tell you that this is something that's impacting families in such a real way. You know, I have um, parents coming up and talking to me about their experiences of finding their young children um you know, standing on a stool, uh, or uh, that survived in that case that, that I'm thinking of specifically, um, a family that is in, uh, Southern Davis County. So I have a uh, bountiful, so a family in Southern Davis County telling me about the challenges that they have faced on this issue. Um, and just knowing how many of our children are impacted directly, um, by, uh, by suicide in our state is huge, but it's not just our children, right? Um, thinking about affordable housing is a huge one that I've had to learn a lot about. Um, so really understanding the challenges and the unique challenges that we face. So not only in places like Salt Lake City, St. George, um, certainly up in Davis County, but what is the answer in our rural communities? What are we going to do to make sure there's affordable housing? And also in some cases in our areas where we have a lot of uh, tourism industry, seasonal housing for people to be able to come and work. Um, there are so many questions there. Obviously, lands management is a huge issue in this district, um, whether that's uh, fire prevention uh, work that's done on that front or just the protections of our public lands, um, infrastructure in our national parks. All of these are huge issues. Um, the biggest one and the one that if I could just change everything would be addressing uh, poverty. Um, so the amount of children, we have one in five children in the United States that goes to bed hungry at night. That makes no sense to me. It's crazy. It, it is. It's and, it, and again, it violates my very values of like what is right and what is important. Um Thinking about the uh, issues that we have around people facing homelessness um, in not only in Salt Lake City, but also in St. George, people who are living right on the edge in our rural communities, we really need to step up. And, and you know, it's been funny because one of the things that happens sometimes this it happened a lot when I was knocking doors um, up in Davis County. But people I would say, you know, what's motivating for you? What's an issue for you? And they would say welfare, welfare abuse. And I was like, yeah, are you talking about like the eight hundred million dollar check we just cut to Wells Fargo? And they go. No, but that makes me mad too. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I think if we shifted our understanding of where we are absolutely giving giant handouts to corporations oh, in this like country Walmart. and, and re recalculated that or maybe rebalanced that a little bit to think about the, the very poorest among us, we could do so much in terms of overall health outcomes in our job in our job uh, participation, our job market participation, growing strong, healthy families that are able to, you know, give back and provide in their communities. All of that is critically important to me. And it costs a fraction of what we are doing when it comes to the kinds of uh, incentives that we have for uh, businesses and corporations. So I think really shifting the focus back to people is a, is a big uh, priority for me. If we could end hunger, if we could educate our children, if we could um, get back to some of these basics, I think all of us would do better. Um, I say this often on the trail. I might had the great honor of being represented by Paul Wellstone, who was a senator from Minnesota when I was in college. Um, he was famous for saying this very simple but very concrete um, phrase, which is we all do better when we all do better. And I take it with me everywhere. And I think about it all the time. If your kid is struggling in school and it's because they have dyslexia and we get them the kind of help they need, 
everyone in that school does better. Everyone in that classroom does better. We are all made more. We are made stronger. We are made more united when we are helping those around us and doing better, just all doing better. Um, so it's a big commitment for me. And it's kind of the North Star when I think about um, politics. Um, uh, propositions and the questions, right? So uh, question one is our schools now thinking about school funding. Have you talked about this? We haven't really dove into to political stuff. You're yet our first one of the season. Oh, okay, yeah. great. Yeah, have a big one in a couple of weeks. Too, uh, so. so this is really a question about what are we... Um, would we like to see more dollars spent on education? And there are some really good materials out there that I encourage people to go look at. A video just came out that helps explain exactly how this question would work. Um, and I, I will be supporting that. Um, Prop 2, uh, medicinal marijuana, I also support. Um, Medicaid expansion, so that's three. I will be voting yes on three. And I want to say Medicaid uh, Medicaid expansion is is a lifeline to many individuals in our community. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't think it goes... I, I think it's good for what it is, but it, we, should it go go far even, we should go even further. So so I do support that and I think we need to do more. And then four is really uh, one of my favorites and that is Better Boundaries, which is looking at an independent commission to draw our lines around our districts. Um, and that is uh, one that I am fully supporting. So that is kind of the rundown and where I personally am at on those. But I really do encourage people to go out and take a good look at them. Okay. Uh, one last question and then we'll let people know how they can support you. Um, you have put roots down in Utah. You're you're clearly you're running for Congress and you live here, um, and that's entirely by choice. So, what's one thing that you would tell someone visiting the state that they should do before they leave? Oh, vote Shireen. Oh. I know. I'm like <laughs> register and people visiting the state. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's people be visiting the state. It's not even my district. I'm like vote Shireen. <laughs> it is inc uh, It's so hard to choose because I, I do believe truly that I have the most beautiful district in the country. Um, I would send somebody out to Grand Staircase. Um, I would tell them, you've got to go out and see it. Um, go down to Boulder, go down to Escalante and, and head out and experience wilderness, experience the sort of wild spaces that we have. I love our national parks, um, but there's something different about our monuments. And to be in those spaces and see just these inc incredible vistas and often be alone is such a gift. And it's something that I think we could do all do better if we spent a little more time out in the wild. So if people want to donate to the campaign or help out with the campaign, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah, so uh, Shireen for Congress is kind of, that's the website. So ShireenforCongress.com. Up in the corner, you'll see two really important buttons, donate and volunteer. Um, we have people who are doing postcards for us all over the state. Um, you can do them anywhere. We make it very easy. But also think about coming and knocking on doors. It's such a, such a gift to learn your community in the way that, that I have been able to, just standing on doorstep after doorstep. Um, I love it. I love talking to voters and I like talking to people about just their lives and their experiences and you learn so much. So I would invite people to come and knock on doors with us. It's the most effective thing that you can do for a campaign like mine. Um, follow me on Twitter, Shireen Gorbani, G-H-O-R-B-A-N-I. So S-H-I-R-E-E-N, Shireen Gorbani, not making it easy, um, but you can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Instagram under both of those and on Facebook where we're really the most active is uh, Shireen for Congress. Well, thanks very much for joining us. It is an absolute joy to be with you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm our time. So much to talk about. Yes. Well, maybe I'll come back. Good. Well, I think that's going to do it for tonight. Um, that was a speedy interview. That might be one of our fastest. It was. It was. Ever. It was she time constrained, and we try to be uh, cognizant of of folks. She time. had other events to attend yeah, we to, don't, but it sure was cool. We don't hold people hostage here for the hour that we talk to them. Well, she wasn't here for quite an hour. 
Well, no, I just mean like our interviews just, they're just organically kind of end up being that long. We just, if people will sit and talk to us for an hour, then we sit and let them talk to us for an hour. To but be fair, if you get pe- certain people drunk, they'll talk to us for three hours and then Chris has to edit three hours down <laughs> into like 45 minutes. <laughs> it does happen sometimes, folks. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, man, that, really thanks, Shereen. That was a, that was a good conversation. You can tell. Um, from sitting here in the room with her, she is uh, an incredibly sincere person. Passionate. Um, she's pat. Yeah, she's passionate. That's a good. That's a good word for it. I I don't know if it came through in her talking because you she was choking back tears at points uh, of of talking. But she's always smiling. Did you notice that? Yeah, it's amazing. She has such a great such a great uh, outlook. Um, she 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 calls a spade a spade but at the same time she you know thinks that a spade can be used as a proper gardening tool um, <laughs> you know there there are ways to get things done and i think she's she's got a, like stabbing someone yes that? yes so when you're when you're <laughs> using soylent green um <laughs> but i can't this is the first in what will probably be a, a, an october relatively full of of a lot of political interviews um you know, we are all about Utah, and one thing that is is very much a, a Utah thing is politics. Um, you've, if you've followed us over the years, you know that we talk to a lot of candidates. The the door is open. It doesn't matter what party you're you're affiliated with or what your views are. We're happy to talk to you, um, and, and we're going to ask you questions um, that that we feel are appropriate. And we're going to talk to you about what you think about Utah, because that's what we care about. And I don't think I I honestly don't think that anyone that's running for office, regardless of what party they're affiliated with, uh, in the state of Utah is not running with Utah as some portion of their platform. Like they care about Utah, obviously how they think they're going to get stuff done, how warped their sense of, of uh, accomplishment is um, varies, but I think they all have one thing in mind and that is, that is to have Utah be a successful place and Utah. Look, we're doing great. We've got some growing pains. She's talked to 40,000 people while her campaign has. That's a city. That's like going to yeah. every door in my city. Yeah, that's a that's a, a lot of people. Um, that's and, half of Wyoming. And <laughs> <laughs> it's damn near, damn near. Um, but Iowa, too. I, I can't stress enough. And we're going to talk about this probably every single week uh, at some level uh, between now and, and the election. Register Why? to vote. And go vote. Like, I, that, that's, I don't care who you vote for. I really don't. I mean, I do. Like, I, I don't vote for me a lot, love. Uh, I'll tell you my views on things. Maybe we'll have a, we'll have probably have another episode here uh, where we talk a lot about what's on the different ballots. Um, but ultimately, it's up to you who you vote for. I just ask that you go vote, participate. These low- Be educated about it. If they could get enough people to vote in the elections as they do on Dancing with the Stars, we'd be able to make huge differences and changes. Well, right. and did we talk and about? We have really talented legislators. Did we talk about Riverton's election on the air? Or was that off? I think that was off. I, off. So Jeremy was saying um, when we were between the interview and, and doing parts of the show. Jeremy was saying that, you know, last election cycle, Riverton City, they voted almost every local official out of office. Yep. So when, when Shereen... So it's possible. 
when right. Shireen talked about term limits and, and how we kind of do have a term limit if people get out and vote, that's the kind of thing that you need to do. Sandy had a similar experience where they ousted a whole bunch of their mm-hmm. officials. Yeah, Sandy was huge. And so, but Jeremy lives in Riverton. Jeremy participated in that election cycle, and I'll let Jeremy talk about what kind of effect that's had. It's So it's made a big change. So, so we, Riverton was okay. I'm not complaining too much, but the mayor had been in for probably 14 plus years. Not that that's entirely bad, but you, you kind of get to a point. I, I Complacency. Well, I when, guess. You're there, when you're there for 14 years, you feel like you've been doing a good enough job to continue to be elected. And the people who have your ear after 14 years are not Jeremy, the, the average resident that lives behind a field that just got sold off and million right. dollar homes are being right. built behind. It's the dude building the million dollar homes that's got the ear of the of the mayor. Right. So so yeah, yeah. they they we changed the mayor. We changed most of most all of the council member seats, and now I'm we're seeing changes. They're they're doing things in Riverton that they haven't done. They've stopped doing some of the things that they were doing. So I'm seeing positive results from the turnover in Riverton. It makes me happy. I'm happy to see that. And that's, folks, that's what going out and voting in a local election does. I know it's not a presidential election, but your vote actually matters way more this election season, this year, than it will in, in two more years uh, when we have another presidential well, because election. Because your local officials, those are the people who are going to affect your personal life. That's who affects your... And to affect your, yeah, your, your city ordinances, your sales tax, your education spending locally, that's who decides, you know, how medical marijuana is going to be implemented. That's, that's, this is you, these ballot initiatives that Shireen talked about, like, let's, let's ignore the officials. Let's just talk about the ballot initiatives. Do you want, are you okay paying an extra $20 a year in taxes on gas so that we can pay our teachers more and they stop leaving after a year? And roads. Are, are you okay with, legalizing medical marijuana. I know it's not perfect, but the legislature has been trying for six years to figure something out and can't. No, the thing is they haven't been trying. They've been just saying no. Well, oh, they, they were pretty close. They, they, they've time. been close, but they can't come to an agreement. But and it's if, all wording. And make sure you're educated about it. My mom I thought it was for recreational. Like I had to, <laughs> I had to send her a link. It's really like, narrow. It's not. And that's actually the yeah. bigger complaint is it's too narrow. But here's the thing. If, if as... As a community, the people of Utah say, we need to get on board with this. The rest of the country is doing it. There's real benefits that, that seem to be here. Um, let's let's do it. Let's force the legislature's hand, because if we vote for it, constitutionally, they have to enact the law. What they can do at that point is then alter the law to be something workable to be something usable. The way it's written is not perfect. But if we don't vote for it, then it could be another 10 years before the legislature actually gets around to doing it or it could be never. If we vote for it, the issue's there. They have to deal with it. They'll call a special session to pass legislation to clean it up to make it law. So those are the kind of things that are there that you're voting on this on year. your local level. If you sign that medical marijuana petition to get it on the ballot, great. That was step one. If you don't go vote for it, it you was, might as well have wasted your time. You shouldn't have signed the initi- the ballot, or you shouldn't have signed the petition, because what matters is you voted yeah, for it. The now. petition just got it on the ballot. Now you need to vote for it. So uh, we'll talk about this more, so I don't want to spend tons of time on it today. Um, but it is know. important. But it's really important. That's the most important thing that I can say about 
Just be educated. Redo your research. Yeah. Go, go uh, check out. Two minutes. Ballot. Um, what is it? Ballot. Wikipedia or something. So Ballotpedia is, is really amazing. good. It tells you a lot of information about the districts, the elections, the campaign funding, uh, where those, where that money each goes. Of, each of the um, like props and questions, like yeah. what they entail. You can also go to vote.utah.gov, and it has the 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 county clerks of each county. You'll be able to see who is running. Our voice, the our voice app. The our voice yeah. app on the phone. Um, you'll be able to identify with our voice. You you can actually go through and say this is the these are the things that I care about. Mm-hmm. This is this this is how I feel about certain issues. Here's the candidate that matches you. Not here's the Republican that you should vote for. Here's the candidate right. that matches your view. One, one thing I've always said is disregard what letters behind their name and look at the person and what they stand for, what they're what they're petitioning for, and look at that. Not oh, I just vote Republican or I just vote Democrat. No, vote. By person, by issue. And the voter pamphlets out there. And the cool thing about the voter pamphlet is, like on the propositions, for example, they will have in that voter pamphlet, here's the argument for, here's an argument against, here's a rebuttal, and here's another rebuttal. And it's different people sharing their viewpoints on those issues and why those issues are important or or not important, why you should vote for them, why you should not vote for them. And it's just so that you can make an informed decision, so that you can get a few different viewpoints and and in the most non-biased way possible to make a decision. Um, so those are those are great ways to do it. So I can't encourage you enough to, to get out and vote. You can. Uh, I can't encourage you more. I'm going to. You're going to hear me harp on it a lot over the next month. Um, and, and you don't even have to get out of your fucking house. Most of you can just go to your mailbox. Yeah, Facebook had a thing today where you could just click it and... Register. You, you can register online. Uh, it's fantastic. Um, hopefully, at some point in the future, you'll be able to vote online. But right now, you have mail-in ballots. You just fill it out, you stick it back in your mailbox, and voila, you voted. You don't even have to go to a poll. You don't have to stand in line. If you want a sticker, you know you can join the senior citizens with Jess and go do that. <laughs> um, you know, there, there. But that's just get out and vote. Um, so if you if you like us, if you like what you hear. Please, please uh, subscribe, I guess, to the podcast. Um, <laughs> you guess. It's a thing, you know. That's it is. You, I just assume you if you subscribe. listen to it, you subscribe. I don't ever download single episodes of stuff usually. I subscribe, and then if I don't like it, I unsubscribe. Um, but leave us a review. Uh, you can reach out to us on Facebook, The New Utah Podcast. Uh, go to our website, thenewutah.com. Uh, you'll find stuff on, you know, soon the uh, Grand Staircase Escalantes because that was Shireen's one thing and uh, Jess is pretty good at getting those up eventually. Um, <laughs> but there's a lot of them. Even if you don't see that one, there's so They'll many They'll get there. I promise. She writes nice pieces on them and, and does a bunch of, uh, of of linking and what have you. Um, but you can also follow us on Twitter at TNU Podcast. If you want to know about stuff going on locally, that's probably the best way to do it right now. If you have an event that you want us to share, just let us know. Uh, we'll share it. We don't. We're not really picky. Um, you know, if you're a racist and you're <laughs> celebrating a racist rally in the state of Utah, we're not going to retweet your shit. In fact, we'll probably block you. Um, but. You know, uh, most stuff that we're, we're happy to share. We're help, happy to get the word out. Keep um, your friends close. Keep your enemies closer, babe. Uh, nope. Nope. Racist. I don't want to fucking deal with them. They can go away. Uh, that's it. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, get out. Register to vote. And uh, get out and vote. See you next week, kids. <laughs> <laughs>